Amen. Check, check. All right, cool. We're on. What's up, party people? Y'all doing good? All right, we're going to have some fun today. So, look, I got a cup of coffee in my hand. We're going to have some fun. All right? So, everybody, what's going on? Y'all good? What's up? Yeah. Okay, y'all are, y'all are lame. All right. Let's get y'all smiling. All right. So, my name's John, and I have the opportunity, privilege, pleasure of uh, kind of bringing the word today. But I wanted to do this. So, at some point in today's lesson, I'm going to say a really bad joke because it always happens and I end up quoting Iron Man or something and it gets really lame. And, but I just need to make sure that you guys can smile because at that moment, I just need to have the... Uh, so can we practice the fake smile for John so I know what's going to happen? So like, oh, that wasn't a funny joke. Okay, reverse, reverse. So on the count of three, one, two, three. Uh, all right, it's cool, cool, cool. All right, well, um, so I want everyone to turn their neighbor and say, um, I promise. So say, I promise. To slap you if you fall asleep. (laughs) All right. So now turn to your other neighbor. (laughs) Say, I promise to punch you (laughs) if you fall asleep. (laughs) All right. So now there's two thoughts going on right here. One, I'm hoping someone falls asleep. (laughs) And two, don't fall asleep, guys. All right. So anyways, I hope y'all are having a good week. Um, I know, how many of you guys had tests this past week? Whew, how many of y'all think you like aced your test this week? All right, props to you guys. I really respect you. How many of y'all were like me and you walked out of the test and you're like, well, that's over. I don't know how that's going to go. <laughs> yeah, I walked out of a test and I was like, well, I mean, I don't think I got, I got at least one of those right. I know that. But did I get an A? I don't really know what happened. So, and I literally am at the point where I know my grades posted, but I'd rather just like not know my grade until I went to class. And so I just haven't logged on. <laughs> like I could have got a, like an 80. I don't even know. But I'm like, no, I'm just going to find out. All right. So I want to tell you guys a little about myself. Uh, my name is John James. Uh, some people call me John J, John, JJ, whatever. Uh, so I am an armor bearer here at Fredonia Hill. So uh, some of you are freshmen in the room, I want to kind of get, give you fill in on what an armor bearer is. An arm bearer is essentially a glorified intern. Um, the idea is that out of, based out of the, um, Jonathan and the... Can you remember David and Jonathan back in the Old Testament? Well, Jonathan had an armor bearer, and so he helped him bear his armor. You get that? All right. So the idea was that I would come alongside uh, one of the people in the ministry, the one of the pastors in the ministry. So for me, it's Blake, because I'm in the worship ministry. No surprise. And uh, coming alongside, he would quench, essentially trains and helps equip us to go out and do our ministry. Uh, me and Jason are part of Blake's uh, Armor Bears. It's been one of the most phenomenal opportunities I've ever had, because um, I definitely think God has called me to do more ministry and to serve the church for my life, and that's kind of what I've devoted my life to. So I want to guys tell you a little bit about me, where I was from. Um, see, in West Philadelphia, I was born and raised, and on the playground, that's where I spent most of my days. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> All right. So, uh, but on the real, I was born in Fort Worth. <laughs> I was born in the DFW. Um, I was, I would call my area semi-hood. So we weren't like straight out of Compton, but we were not super like, um, prissy. I'll go with prissy. All right. So semi-hood. And so I grew up in the dirty South. And for y'all who know what the dirty South is, you can represent. If you don't know what the dirty South is, well, you know, it's not your type of music. I understand. Whatever. All right. So uh, when I get excited, I sometimes different uh, voice inflections come. And so that's when you can use your fake smile for me. Um, so like I said, I have uh, two lovely sisters. I actually just celebrated their birthdays this past week. 
uh, Rebecca and Patricia. Um, and then I have a lovely mom, and my mom is a role model to me, and she is phenomenal, uh, one of the strongest people I've ever met in my Lord. And um, I also have two grandparents. And I know you're like, why are you telling me about your family? Because it's, it's, it means something when you call your grandparents and like they're telling you about their life and everything. And all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I'm teaching on Sunday. And they pause the entire conversation. My grandpa's like, well, son, what are you teaching on? And he wants me to go into elaborate detail. And I just say, I'm very thankful for uh, role models in my life, uh, particularly my grandparents um, who pray for me every day. And I, I want you guys to know that um, the arm bearers, the staff, we're praying for y'all too. Um, so I know life gets cray. And we're going to talk about something today when life was super cray. Um, but we're praying for y'all because God's good. He's sovereign over everything. This is where y'all can say amen. All right, cool. So that was, I'll give that a C minus. All right. So with that being said, um, everyone go ahead and open up the word. First Peter. Uh, that's right before second Peter and after James. And uh, if you need to look at the table of contents, that's cool. If you got a Bible on your phone, that's cool. Just now, we're going to be flipping a lot. Now, the verses will be on the screen, and we're going to hold off on that for a second, but um, we're going to flip there. I'm going to flip there with you guys, all right? So I, I was no Bible drill master in high school, so I'm going to take a few minutes to try to find everything as well. Um, so today we're talking about the role of humility inside of, com- of community, all right? The role of humility inside of community. When Kendall asked me to teach, um, it was a really cool story, and I can tell you one time, but he said, all right, I'm like, okay, so what do you want me to teach on? I'm thinking he's going to say, this book, this chapter. I'm like, sweet. You know, I just, I'll exposit the text, I'll share some funny analogy, I'll give a bad joke, and then all of a sudden I'll say amen, and we'll go into service and listen to Pat preach. And he's like, no, I want you to teach what God's taught you. I want you, I want you to, to share with us what has God taught you. And so I'm like, oh man, because I'm not going to lie, the past five months, I've learned an incredible amount from the Lord. And if I were to come up here and try to teach it to you in one sitting, you literally would be like an overload. Like that six-hour class you have on Monday nights that starts at six, yeah, put that together. And you're just like, no, I can't do this. Um, But I got to say, you know, so throughout all of this, I want to say God has been completely faithful, and he's good, and he teaches. He teaches at just the right moment. So everything that I'm sharing with y'all today is not something that I've mastered. So I never feel like we arrive. Sometimes we feel like I've made it. Like, whoo-hoo, I'm there. And God, no, we're on a journey. This is a journey. We, we are taking a path. And so I'm on that path with you guys. This is something that he's teaching me, and I've kind of learned a lot some. All right, but I want to kind of jump on something so everyone kind of hold your place in the word. The Bible. Let's talk about the Bible. The Bible is God's revelation to us about his character. The Bible is, is God telling us stories of his people. The Bible is, is um, him teaching us what does it mean to follow you? What does it mean to know God? What's going to happen in life? And you see, sometimes I, I want to say that Fredonia Hill has done a great job in this area, I'm about to say, is that understanding of listening to the Spirit and understanding the Spirit. And awesome. There is a triune God, Father Jesus and the Spirit, and they are, it is, the Spirit is real. He speaks daily. He speaks regularly. We just need to listen. All right, that part is true, and amen. Thank you, God, so much, okay? But I have to say this. If we're not reading the Word, if we're not in the Word understanding what God's character is, then how, are we under, how do we expect to understand God's Spirit when He speaks to us? Because at that point, we're not understanding God's Spirit. We're understanding some deranged thought in our head, all right? 
Because I've been there, guys, when you're not reading the word, because all this is, is, is encouragement for me, because um, ex- I've had experience. When we're not in the word, we're not understanding the spirit. We're thinking about things and rationalizing them in our own head. But when we're in the word and we're understanding God's character, we're going to understand his spirit. His word says, my sheep, we're sheep, all right. My sheep hear my voice and they follow it. And how do we get familiar with God's voice? Is that we hear it often. I'll tell you a story. Um, I have a favorite gas station on my trip back from uh, Fort Worth. It's a really sketchy gas station. Like, <laughs> it's not a cool place. But I go there because I like it. And I walked in. I was riding with my mom. And I said, hey, I'm going to go get a drink. And she's like, okay, I don't want one. So she's out in the car. And so then I go in and I'm looking at them. I'm getting a green tea. And all of a sudden, I'm looking this way, all right? The door is behind me. All right, we're good. All right. And I hear someone cough. That's it. My first thought, my mom's here. Turn around, there's my mom. All right? Well, how did I know that? Because I had spent all of my life listening to her. I hadn't heard what she sounded like. And so how do we know what the voice of God sounds like? How do we know when his spirit is teaching us? By engulfing us, engulfing ourselves in the word. All right? That was just a side note that I just, I've got to really burden me in my life. Because, um, guys, I'll be honest, just reading a little word in the morning to get your fix, that's not what he's called us to. Let's, let's study the word. Let's know what the book of Amos is about. You know, let's actually know what happened in 2 Samuel. Let's know, like, uh, uh, King Jehoshaphat, what was about him? You know, let's, let's learn the word. It's a good thing. All right, this is where y'all can smile. Everyone smile. All right, cool. So we're going to go ahead and look uh, at 1 Peter. All right, so 1 Peter, Peter wrote this book. Is anyone surprised? All right, cool, no. Um, now, it's a letter have you guys ever like got this letter from a long lost friend and you're like, oh man, it's so personal and precious. Like for me, I have two letters that I keep in my wallet and there were two of my friends that I was able to do summer missions with and they just mean the world to me because they're so precious. And when, when Peter's writing a letter, it's as if he's, he's writing it to a, a group of believers that he's already been in contact with before. All right, and I'll kind of give you some context in a second. But it's as if Kendall was away from us for a while like I said, he took two years and kind of went off, and he wrote us a letter. Would that mean something to us? We all gather around and say, oh, hey, guys, Kendall wrote us a letter. Let's read this. Let's see what's going on. So there is great magnitude in this letter. All right. So okay, let's kind of like set up the context here. All right. So First Peter. So First Peter, he is, um, he's writing to a church in Rome. All right. Now, during this time, they're under the rule of Nero. Do you guys ever hear Nero in your classes? All right, cool, three of y'all. So Nero, um, this dude was crazy. All right, so let me, let me tell you kind of when, I'll kind of give you the deets on what all went down. So Nero loved building things. Just, he's like, hey, let's just build a house. Like y'all Minecraft people? Right, he was like that in real life. And so he just loved building stuff. And he literally torched the whole city of Rome just so he could rebuild it. Okay, now, if, if you're a Roman citizen and uh, everything just got burned to the ground, are you mad? Yeah, you're mad. This is where you go like this. Okay, so you're mad. So who are you going to blame? Well, Nero knows that it's his fault, but he's the emperor, so you can't blame that dude. So he blames it on all the Christians in the area, all right? So when, when Peter writes the church in Rome, he's writing to them under this persecution, like, they are literally being blamed by the entire town for, this, for it burning down. All right, so they're going through a rough time. All right, so I want to 
before we go on to the text, I want because I really think if it's a letter, and if we're reading the letter, we need to know who wrote it, why did he write it, who is he writing it to? Because as we read the word, there are two things. There are two audiences when the word is written. One, there's the original audience of Peter writing the church. All right, and then there's us. But us, our job is to look in and see, all right, what did Peter mean when he wrote this to the church? How would the church respond? And take from that, all right, what, what can that tell me about the character of God? All right, so this is the same Peter. So I wrote down a few things about Peter. Here we go. Um, this is the disciple Peter. Same Peter that denied Jesus three times. Same Peter that was restored by Jesus after the resurrection. That's the um, do you love me section. All right. Uh, Peter is a, from a family of fishermen. He's a, just a no, normal dude. Same Peter that constantly put his foot in his mouth. He just was a doer. He just went and did stuff. He didn't need a plan. He just went after it. All right. This is the same Peter that even got called out by Paul in Galatians 2. This guy is not perfect. Same Peter that chopped off a soldier's ear. When Jesus was being uh, arrested in Gethsemane, yeah, he literally grabbed a sword and chopped off his ear. All right, this is the same guy we're about to read. All right, so, but at the same time, this is the same Peter that said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Same Peter that preached at Pentecost, he's ordinary, he's talkative. And I can relate to Peter. I don't know about you guys, but I can relate to Peter. Because just like him, I just do stuff sometimes, and I'm like, oh, that didn't work. <laughs> and I have to figure it out in the end. Or, you know, I've never chopped off a dude's ear yet, but we might, <laughs> you never know. And, but what I'm getting at is, um, Peter's a normal dude. He's not this heavy, like, theologian, all right? So when Peter's writing this letter, he's writing it to his family. He's writing this church to his church family. All right, so we're in chapter 5, 1 Peter chapter 5. And... Now, I'm going to read these first five verses, but the first five verses we're doing are just kind of more of a context, a buildup. I really want to stress to you guys that when you're reading the Word, know, know why, why are you reading this? Why is this important? What's the context of what's going on? It changes the entire story if you know what's going on. All right? But think about it. If you, would, if you just started reading 1 Peter 5 and you didn't know that, oh, wow, these people are literally being blamed for everything in Rome right now. These guys are having a hard time. They need encouragement you wouldn't have the same understanding. So 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. Uh, I'm going to read through the first five verses. Um, just bear with me. Uh, it's going to make sense in the end. All right? <laughs> cool. So verse 1. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. All right, here we go, verse four. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Verse five. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but give grace to the humble. All right, so... The reason we read verses 1 through 5 is we're really going to spend most of our times in verses 6 and 7. But in 6, it has a key word named therefore. And we need to know what it's there for. Therefore. Um, so you're reading 1 Peter 5 and you're like, oh gosh, that was a bunch of words. And so I kind of zone out when I read. I don't know if y'all do that. Or like when Pat's preaching or when anyone's talking, like my teacher or, you know, my roommate. And I'm just kind of like, uh-huh, yeah. And so sometimes I zone out. So here's a synopsis in case you zoned out real quick. So basically... They're having a rough time, right? There's persecution in the church. 
This is a real thing. This is real, all right? And Paul says, listen, among the elders, here's what you need to do. Shepherd well. And then he goes down to verse 5, and he says, uh, likewise, you are younger, the younger ones. Clothe yourselves with all of humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. All right, two points there. One, he's talking to the younger, younger dudes here, and he's saying, look, so they're, they're, as he's beginning to build his argument of the elders in the church, he's saying, look, no job, no activity is below you. All right? We are all to be humble toward one another. Then he goes on to say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And that's out of Proverbs uh, 3.34. And so essentially he's quoting the text here. Just a little side note. He's quoting the scripture to explain things about God. That's something that we as Christians also have that opportunity to do. All right, so, but I want you to think about this. So I already mentioned Nero. Um, during this Roman culture, do you think humility was the thing to do? Like, man, check out that guy. He's my favorite because he's humble. Like, that's not a thing. This culture is very anti-humble. They're all about ego. They're very egotistical. They're all about my pride. What can I do? And I began to think, and I said, man, there's kind of some reflections in our own culture today. Now, I want this to be a message that's encouraging, so keep your head up, keep smiling. Um, but I went and I started thinking, and now since I was raised in the dirty South, these, these examples came to me. I'm like, what are some egotistical statements out there? Well, Kanye says, I am God, all right? I am a God. Uh, Eminem says, I am phenomenal. For all you sports fans, Richard Sherman says, I'm the best. You have Muhammad Ali saying, I am the greatest. But just take those examples aside. Look on the campus. You guys ever sit on a bench and watch people walk by? Everyone's striving to be the better. Everyone's trying to be, striving to be the best. Nothing wrong with pursuing excellence. Do not hear me on that. Excellence is a good thing. Pursuing excellence, striving for excellence, phenomenal. But wanting to be the best? Wanting always wanting to be the best? Wanting to be better than everyone? Making that your ambition? Make more money? Be more successful? Have more people you're re- reaching out to? What are we doing here? What are we doing? All right. So let's go ahead and look in verse 6 here. And I'm really only going to, I'm going to read the whole verse when we come back to the first two words. Verse 6 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. All right, humble yourselves. All right, in the Greek, the word humble literally means lowly mindness. All right, so humble literally means lowly mindness. Now, notice the way he said this here. So remember, this is Peter, and he's talking to his family. He doesn't say, you know, if you really want to, I think humility might be a good idea. Like when we're trying to talk to our friend, and we're like, I don't think you should get that tattoo, but whatever you really want to. No, he kind of goes straight to the point. He's like, humble yourselves. This is a command. This is a command. And we're going to look at what does it mean to humble ourselves. Um, But... We can't humble ourselves without the next part of this verse. All right, it says, humble yourselves, therefore. And remember, therefore is uh, put in place because they're under great persecution. They're having a rough time. He's saying, humble yourselves in the role of the church. Do not forsake the community at this time of persecution. And he says, under the mighty hand of God. So the proper time he may exalt you. Now, under the mighty hand of God. Um, all right, so one of the things that I'm really anti is... Um, really these like lofty statements that I have no idea what they mean, but we just kind of like tweet them. You know what I'm saying? You're like, oh yeah, I love the hand of God. 
what does that mean? Like, I have not seen God's hand. Like, what is going on? And so the mighty, mighty hand of God, on, for simplicity's sake, we're going to kind of look at this. And we're going to look at different scriptures here. Um, but the mighty hand of God is an Old Testament um, usage that he would use to show God's sovereignty, that God used to show his power. And uh, so I want us to look right now at uh, Exodus chapter 3, verses 19 to 20. We're all flipping there together. This is going to be fun. A little Bible drill. All right. I'll pull one out of Jason's playbook. When you get there, say amen. All right. You guys got five seconds. <laughs> All right. Exodus 3. That's a, chat, that's a story of the Israelites, right? Okay. Cool. I still hear some pages turning. Whew. All right. This is a good time. This is good. Take a drink of coffee. All right. Oh, it's cold. All right. Exodus 3. <laughs> 19 through 20. All right. I'm going to go ahead. It's on the back screen if you need it. All right, so Moses, Moses is talking, and, and actually it's, it's God here talking. Um, this is the burning bush. You remember the story about the burning bush? Okay, cool. So God is talking to Moses right here, and he says, But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders I will do, and after that he will let you go. He will stretch out his hand. This will not not happen unless compelled by a mighty hand of God. We see here that this hand is used to portray God's absolute power. He can move anything. He can change anything. He is the definition of power, a definition of greatness. So at the mighty hand of God, anything can happen. Okay, so let's just keep that in the back of our brain. Let's keep that stored up. All right, so remember, our humility can only happen based upon the mighty hand of God, based upon understanding of who God is. All right, Bible drill time. Isaiah 66. That's, you know, go halfway and then go to your right some. All right. Uh. So growing up, I never could figure out how to spell the word Isaiah. Like I always just typed it in and hope spell check kind of helped me out. Anyone else ever relate to that? Yeah, I figured out there's two A's. Yeah, <laughs> all right. <laughs> that one's free. All right, so Isaiah 66, when you get there, give me a little yell or something. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, Isaiah 66. Hoorah. All right, here we go. Verses 1 and 2. All right, thus says the Lord. All right, now, I always think of Isaiah, thus saith the Lord. No, that's not what he's saying here. All right, so God's, here's what God's saying. He's saying, thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. footstool. What is the house that you would build for me? And what is the place of my rest? All these things my hand has made. And so all these things came to me, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Verse 1 shows us the mightiness of God. Verse 2 continues with that he has made everything. He is creator. And then on the verse 2 slash B says, this is the one I'm going to look on. He was humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Guys, that's my prayer for my life. That's my prayer for you That I would be humble and contrite in spirit. So here we see that God has, in Exodus we saw that God can move anything. 
with his, with, with his hand. Here we see that God can create anything with his hand. All right, so flip to the left a few pages. Go to Isaiah 64. All right, this one's going to be a quick one for y'all. Verse 8. All right, hoorah. All right. But now, O Lord, 64 verse 8. But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. So what do we see about the mighty hand of God? He creates... He is in all power, and if you look at it from there, we are all a result of his handiwork. All right? Side note, it's a real thing that God's our Father, and that's biblical proof right there. So sometimes I have doubt and everything, because sometimes we don't really know what we believe in life. It's a real thing, and it's right there. So all right, so let's go right now to Psalm 139. I know, I'm just making y'all do all this Bible drill stuff. Um, So... I think it's important to note this too, is that God's power, God's sovereignty here is not limited based upon circumstances. So think about the people of Exodus, right? They're having a hard time. They're literally in slaves. Like they're in Egypt. It's hot. They're slaves. They're doing work. And he says, look, my power is far beyond that. I can take care of that. All right. And, or he's talking about in first Peter and he's saying, you guys are being persecuted. The mighty hand of God is going to be okay. Don't worry about it. I got this. All right? Now, what does it say in Psalm 139? Um, if you guys ever want a beautiful psalm to read and just pray it to the Lord, Psalm 139, man, this is tight. And just pray it to the Lord as if it were you. Yeah. All right, so start in verse 8. Start in verse 8. For me, it's on the bottom right section of the page. <laughs> All right. It says, if I ascend to heaven, you are there, you being God. If I make my bed in Sheol and hell, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and I dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. And here's, here it is, verse 10, verse 10. Even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. What does that show us about the hand of God? First of all, there's nowhere you can go to escape God's hand. There's nowhere you can go. There's no circumstance in your life to escape the mighty hand of God. There's nowhere you can run. There's nowhere based upon heaven. There's nowhere based upon hell. There's nowhere on this physical earth that you can go to flee God. All right, so... If we're under there, verse 10, it says, your, your hand shall lead me. Your right hand shall hold me. That sounds like, a, like, sounds like someone that cares about me. It so, sounds like someone that wants to lead me on the path of righteousness. And the, at the end of Psalm 139, it says, I want you guide me in your everlasting way. This is a hand that leads us and guides us. So under the mighty hand of God is a hand that creates, a hand that is completely powerful. It is a hand that... Um, produces, has made life within us and a hand that will lead us. Go back to 1 Peter. Let's go back to 1 Peter. You guys are doing a great job in your Bible flipping. I just want to say thank you. All right, so if there we are with the hand. And there, there's a thing that, there's a correlation between humility and the hand of God. So at the core of humility lies submission to God's wills and desires. All right, at the core of humility, there is submission to God's will and his desires. 
And so just like his hand's going to lead us and his hand's going to hold us, or just like his hand has made us, or just like his hand has made everything, or he's completely powerful, at the core of humility, if you want to be a man or a woman who is humble, if you want to humble yourselves like Peter's encouraging the church of Rome, remember what's going on here. All right, so it says, at the proper time, he may exalt you. It says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so the proper time, he may exalt you. Uh, guys, I got to tell you that for me, this has come in numerous ways. At the proper time, he may exalt you. There, I can look back on my life, and I can see times where God has humbled me. You guys ever think about your life real quick? You have those times where you look like, man, God really humbled me. I, I had to go through that, that season of just pure humility. And, it's, and think about how God also used you in that time. At that time, he humbled you. This exaltation, the, him exalting us, is not based upon what we've done. It's that we have moved our brain to the point where it's not about me here. This is all about him. And that's humility right there. All right, verse 7, I really want to get into this. It's, and all right, it says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. All right, this is going to be a ride, and so here we go. Let's roll with it. Casting all your anxieties on him. Okay, that word casting literally means to throw something on something, okay? So just, just roll with me here. So if I have a blanket, all right, and say there's a horse or there's a donkey, all right? So if to cast off means I take what I'm holding and I throw it, and it, it lands on the donkey on the horse, okay? So I have something, I throw it off. I'm no longer holding on to it. Okay, so when he says, cast all your anxieties on him, he's saying, throw it off. Throw your off, throw it off. How does this play in with humility? Because since we're talking about humility, how does this play in? And he says this, he says, listen, how can you, here's what we do in life. Here's what I've done in life. So I can just, all I can do is teach him what happened to me. I have even got to the point where I'm like, God, I trust you with like 90% of everything. But I'm still holding on to the blanket. I'm still holding on somewhat. And that's not humility, that's pride. Because at some point you're saying, God, you're good, but I got this in some area. Y'all see that? Like, I've done that. Like, we've all done that? Yeah, come on. All right, so what I'm saying is God's calling us to this place of surrender, of submission, of saying, here you go, and just throw it all. Because at that point, it's no longer my burden to carry it. It's the Lord's. And so for me, this came about in numerous ways. And I was like, God, if I'm, if I'm being prideful, if I'm saying, God, you're good, but I got this. And sometimes, here's something we got to look in our lives about. Because guys, this happened to me. And I want to encourage you guys in this. We're saying... Are we are verbally saying, God, I give you everything. We're still holding on to the blanket. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. And he's saying, no, no, no. Cast all your anxieties on me. The person who's humble is the person who's cast their anxieties on him because they know that there's nothing they could do to change the circumstance. We, we sometimes think that our circumstances can change. We can, by worrying about our life or having these problems in our life, we can change it. All right, but look at what he says. He says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Remember the original audience. 
persecuted believers in the church of Rome. And he says, he cares for you. Wow. If God took care of the church then, he could take care of us. He says he cares for you. He cares for you. Guys, some of you guys need to hear that today. He cares for you. I know you have, I know you have anxieties. I know you have burdens. Why do I know that? Because I have them, all right? We're humans. We all have tests. We all have human weather. Like, there's all kinds of different anxieties we could have. Um, but what I'm getting at is that he cares for you. He cares for you. Some of you guys just need to embrace that and say, thank you, God. Thank you for caring for me. So I'm a big how guy. Like whenever I talk to my mentors, they're like, well, John, you should do this. And I'm like, how? And they're just like, well, just do it. And I'm like, Ugh. You guys ever get that way? Like you're in a sermon, they're like, just love the Lord. And you're like, but I don't. Like, just treat your neighbor like you, and are like, how do you? I'm like, you just submit to the spirit. That's a big one. Just submit to the spirit. What does that mean? <laughs> and you're in the back, you're like, amen, but I don't know what to do. No, <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so I'm a big how guy. So I'm super grateful that God gave me a how to this. Psalm 37, verse 5. Go there and flip there, flip there, flip there. All right. All right, we're running a little short on time, so let's do this. Psalm 37, verse 5. So we want to throw off everything that's in our life. We don't want to hold on to it. How do we do this? We trust God. You guys want to be humble? Rigid life anxiety? Trust God. You want to cast off burdens? You don't want to hold on to situations in your life? You don't want to be prideful? You want to be used by God? I think a lot of us can find ourselves in that situation. Psalm 37, verse 5. Here's what it says. And guys, I'm going to challenge you guys to commit this to memory. He says, commit your ways to the Lord, trust in him, he will act. God, I got this crazy situation going on. And some of us got some crazy situations going on. And I know and I understand. I really do. I, straight up, I know. I feel you. All right? Here's what he's saying. Commit your way to the Lord. God, every day I get up, I'm going to give you my everything. I'm going to love you with all I have. I'm going to say, no matter what, I'm serving you. I'm going to read your word. I'm going to do what your word says. I'm going to be in an interactive relationship with you. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him. Don't hold on to what you got in life. See, that's what I'm at. See, a lot, of, a lot of times I'm like, God, you're good. Like, I trust you. Mostly. Like, he's saying, commit your way to the Lord. Live for me. Trust in him. And he will act. Sometimes we think that our, our responsibility, our, our role is to do this big action here. They're like, God, I got to make something happen. I got to make something happen. There's all kinds of stories about when people try to make something happen and it didn't, didn't work out well. All kinds of stories. Just look at King Saul in um, Samuel, 1 Samuel 13. He tried to make something happen. He offered a sacrifice before uh, Samuel was there. They lost the battle. Thousands of people died. See, don't take matters into your own hands. And so what I'm saying here, I know I just made a weird joke. All right. So what I'm saying is that when we take matters into our own hands, we're not trusting God. We're not humble. You see, sometimes we think humility is this. If I can just kind of like sit, ah, humble, 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 and like drink some coffee, and like Coldplay is playing in the background, 
And you're like, okay, humble. And you're like, man, I'm so humble. And like you walk around, you're like, I'm the humble guy. And that's not humble. Humble is an active thing. Like it ain't just you chilling on your couch. That might be part of it. And you know, listen to Coldplay, they're cool. But what I'm getting at is humility is an active thing. And you can't say I'm humility and trust and ridding yourself of anxiety and following the Lord, committing your way to the Lord, waiting on him to act. Those are all a part of it. They're not like separate things. All right, so you want to be humble? You want to be used by God? You want to see God do something within our community, guys? I really do. I think he already is doing something. I got to be honest. You guys want to see it more and more? Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him. He will act. That's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of it. So what does God do for this church? Verse 10. I just want to hit on this really short. So... Read this with the context of understanding that this is Peter writing to that church in Rome, okay? 1 Peter 5, verse 10. All right? So, everything's gone cray. This this is a really rough situation. People are being persecuted. People are being killed. What does he say? He says, verse 10, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ. Amen. He says, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Guys, if God can take care of them, when life was completely cray, completely out of whack, everything was going down the drain. If God can take care of them, he can take care of us. I promise you guys. He's a, he is our father. And he can take care of us, no matter what. So I want to encourage you guys with that today. Um, is there something you're holding on to that you're saying, God, I, I trust you, but I kind of want to hold on to it. And he's saying, throw it off. Throw it off. And think about it. He's very, very, very capable of taking care of that. And so... For me, how do I do this? I get on my knees and I surrender. I say, God, all of me. I'm not playing any jokes this time when I'm praying. I literally mean it all. I say, God, all of me, take all of me. He goes, here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it for your courts above. And then I say, God, I want to hear your voice. I want to know what your voice sounds like. So I read his word. So I listen to him, listen to his spirit. And they're like, God, I want to live a life for you. So while I'm listening, while I'm reading, help me commit my way to you. I, I will trust in you. And he will act. Now, there are moments where you're going you're gonna to all of a sudden not trust. That's okay. Look at like any father of the faith. They had moments where they didn't trust. Like God's saying, put your trust in me. He says, commit your way to him. Trust in him. He will act. If we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, he will exalt you. He will use us. We cast all our anxieties on him. He cares for you. This is a good thing. We're no longer obligated to carry our burdens. We're no longer obligated to do that. All right. Awesome. I'm going to pray for us real quick. God, you are good. Thank you, Lord, that this is a great thing, that we are not um, under our own responsibility to carry our own anxieties. God, this life is not about me. It's not about us. 
It's all about you. And as soon as we start living that way, God, and realizing that this is all about you, it's all about your kingdom, it's all about your glory, it's all about what you want to do, Lord, then you use us. So God, I ask that we step back and we realize what your plan is. And we say, all right, God, lead me. I'm going to commit my way to you. I'm going to trust in you and I know you will act. God, because there's nowhere I can go to escape your presence, and I know that your hand will lead me and your right hand will hold me. Because you are our Father who has made us, who's crafted us like potter, pottery, and that you care for us. And those are all promises of your word, God. So, Lord, we hold you to your word because you promised that you are true to it. Thank you, Lord, so much um, for the opportunity to share today. God, I love you. And I pray in everything that was said today that it's encouraging, that we know that you are love and that you care for us. And this is a good thing. You are good. Amen. All right, shalom. You guys are dismissed, not released.